This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Omaha, Nebraska. Nestled against the Missouri River and close to the Iowa border. $100,000 a year. That's what you're paid? Yeah. The board of directors thinks that you're worth 100000 a year? Well, I don't ask them, actually. <laughs> it's widely known that billionaire investor Warren Buffett, one of the world's richest people, proudly hails from Omaha. His holding company, Berkshire Hathaway, is headquartered here in Omaha. And once every year, over 40,000 people from all corners of this spinning globe converge to listen to Chairman and CEO Warren Buffett and Vice Chairman Charlie Munger preside over the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting. It's so interesting to watch you work and talk. I have to give people hope that Warren has seven more good years in him. <laughs> Nicknamed the Woodstock for Capitalists, this year the pilgrimage of shareholders includes your equity mates Bryce and Alec as they give you the chance to learn from the world's best investors. Equity mates! But life has been awfully good to me and Charlie, so we have no complaints. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome back to another episode of Equity Mates. Coming at you from downtown Omaha for the Equity Mates US Tour. Now, if you've just joined us for the very first time, a massive welcome. Congratulations for starting your investing journey. If you are still getting up to speed, we have a podcast called Get Started Investing. Now, uh, a reminder that we are licensed, but we are not aware of your financial circumstances. So any information on this show is for education and entertainment purposes only. But let's kick on. My name is Bryce, and it is with great excitement that not only am I bringing back my uh, regular co-host, Ren. (laughs) Hello, Ren. (laughs) Hey, Bryce. (laughs) But we have Maddie from Your Own Good Company as well. Maddie, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm pumped. So... uh, We are here in downtown Omaha, sitting in a park. We've just finished the 5K fun run after the Berkshire Hathaway annual AGM. How are you feeling, Ren? I'm feeling pretty good. What Um, was your time? What was my time? Yeah. 28 minutes? Respect. What was your time? Uh, 30. 30.03. Wow. I reckon if we did a poll on who would win the 5K, I certainly (laughs) wouldn't have won that. (laughs) Well, Darcy did win the 5K. That's crazy. Darcy got an internship at uh, Berkshire Hathaway (laughs) because he won the Invest in Yourself 5K. That's it. So, um, we are at the end of the Berkshire sort of weekend of festivities, the Berkshire Bonanza. So, in this episode, we're going to bring you inside the AGM with some thoughts um, of how the, uh, the, uh, the days unfolded. Morning session, afternoon session and then close out with some of our favourite quotes from the big dogs on stage and close out with our favourite question of the day. I wish you guys could see what is happening right next to us right now. There is a giant flamingo being deflated (laughs) right next to where we're recording. We should say, so Bryce has said we're in downtown Omaha, but let's describe the scene. So we, uh, we finished the 5K and we're sitting on a, like a park table next to a big grassy area 
few high nice, rises. It's, yeah, it's, it's aggressively pleasant at the moment. Aggressively <laughs> As I was saying on the run, Omaha, not a town I would choose to come to, but I've been pleasantly surprised. It has been awesome. But, Ren, we wouldn't be able to be here if it weren't for Milford. Yeah. A massive thank you to Milford for uh, sponsoring the Equity Mates US Tour. They are a leading New Zealand fund manager and they are now available for Australian investors and advisors. Milford's flexible, active management strategies and high-performing, globally experienced investment team aim to deliver strong, long-term returns while managing downside risk. Milford's team also invest in the same funds as their clients, so you know they are highly motivated because they are on the journey with you. Find the Milford funds on your trading platform or at milfordasset.com.au and before you invest, be sure to read the fund's product disclosure statement and target market determination found at milfordasset.com.au. A massive thank you to Milford Huge for sending thanks. us over here Yes. to this beautiful part of downtown Omaha. Oh my goodness, what an experience it, be- it has been. And it all started 4am Saturday morning. 4 a.m. Well, it actually started... I, actually, I was going to say, I think my alarm was set for 3.45. Oh, I, I actually didn't sleep. Yeah, it actually <laughs> yeah. started the night before. So we we knew that we needed to get to Berkshire early. There's 40,000 people descending on the yeah. town to come and watch Warren and Charlie. So I, I, we, I mean, we knew we had to get there early because we went to pick up our tickets the day before and the line was literally out the door and down the yeah. street. Yeah. Yeah. We were in the line yeah. for probably an, almost an hour. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Yeah. So we, we knew there would be some queuing involved. Yes. Yeah. So we knew we had to get there early. We were told if it's your first time, you want to make the most of it, get a good seat, get in there, get prepped. So we went to bed the night before. It's in a basketball stadium. It's in a basketball yeah, yeah, stadium. Yeah. Yeah. That's how they fit everyone in. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But it was packed. Packed. Absolutely packed. Maddie, did you sleep the night before? No. <laughs> so you went. You got up at four without sleep? Yeah. Ren, did you sleep? I did not. Did you try? I tried really. We were just too excited. <laughs> so both Ren and Maddie uh, were up and at him with the rest of the team, Darcy, Sasha, Alf, um, a lot of, uh, most of whom had struggled to sleep the night before Did with anticipation. I went from 10 through to 1, then was awake for half, and then 1 through to this 4. This guy's living so in luxury was, over here. I was Must okay. Nice. I was okay. <laughs> Lime scooters are massive over here, yeah. um, and we've been scooting our way around Omaha. Scoot, scoot. And the night before, we'd gone to a steakhouse. Every steakhouse... <laughs> Gosh, Every steakhouse so in Omaha claims that they've got Warren's favourite yeah. steak. Yes. Give them a shout out. Cassio's. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Warren's favourite steak. It's it's like um you know in Australia everyone's got the uh, Australia's best pie or the world's best yeah. pie. Every country bakery has. Yeah, yeah, the best yeah, yeah. Here it's everyone's got Warren's favourite yeah. steak. Yeah. Um, and we had picked up as many scooters as we could because at four a.m. we were going to scoot down to the. Stadium. Stadium. We yeah. were prepared. But we came out and two had already been scooted <laughs> away. So we were down two scooters. And they don't work before 5am in the morning, apparently. Lift your game, Uber. <laughs> yeah, so we couldn't use the scoots. We jumped in an Uber and we were down at 4.30 in line. We were about 25 metres from the front of the, of the line we were in. We were so close to the front that I kind of thought we'd got there too early. That the, no. the line wasn't really? big enough, yeah. but the line quickly grew behind us. Yeah. Very. Yeah. So then it felt pretty good. We, we actually nailed, nailed it. it. Yeah. Sasha and I went to the front and we were filming some videos just chatting to people and the people at the front got there at 1am. Unbelievable. On reflection, I don't think we needed to get there that early, but um, it was worth it. We got in, 
Uh, Bryce and I were running. We ran in, yeah. Uh, we knew which seats we were going to, Bay 216. Uh, it's first in, first serve. There oh, were no seating so numbers. Oh, so it would have been It would have been ridiculous if there were seating numbers, bro. Why would we have got there at 4 I know, in the and they should do it. They should do it. But anyway, we got in, and then uh, we had to wait for about another two hours yeah. by the time um, we got in there. They were giving out free coffee, free food. Our biggest mistake of the weekend was we had all thought of questions to ask, and then we were so excited slash tired and we forgot to go to the question bays. <laughs> uh, to, the, the way it works is there are, what, like 10 question bays and you go and you get a number and then it's a lottery at each question bay. And uh, by the time we got there, they were doing the lotteries. Yeah. So we didn't get a chance to ask a question. So we cooked that. Yeah. So we're sitting there and um, music's playing, the stadium's filling and all of a sudden... All of a sudden, you could start telling some of the team members in, from Equity Mates were starting to get a little tired. This was when we it had barely kicked off, and people were starting to say, "Oh dear, this is going to be a long day." No, oh, no, no, we no. have nothing left. <laughs> yes. the, uh, for me, the tiredness. So at that point, it was still adrenaline. Yeah. I was still yeah. going. Uh, they would, yeah, as you said, free coffee in there. Um, the movie, which we'll get to in a second. The movie, uh, it was like just crescendoing still and there was like the movie it was fast enough pace that it was going but it was when Warren and Charlie came out and they started putting up the on their balance sheet on the the big screen and that was speaking pretty slowly and then that was when I started to but we'll get there so it um it kicked off at uh 8 30 with a rendition of what's the name of the song New York. New York. I'll never yeah. be able to hear it the same again. Uh, uh, Empire State so of Mind. Empire State of Mind. State Sorry. Of Sorry. Mind. Yeah. Yeah. A cover. A cover with a twist. <laughs> if we find a clip of it, it's going here. If not, I'll give you a demo. Financial statements, what dreams are made of. <laughs> yeah, good remix. Now we're Berkshire. <laughs> yeah, and so then they walked out. We also had the likes of Bill Gates was there. There were room of Tim Cook was there. Yeah. There were some really big dogs down at the front in the crowd. So cool. And uh, then we kicked into proceedings. We had 45 minutes of what Warren called a movie uh, interspersed with ads for all of the subsidiary companies that he owns. Now, I was told that Warren starred in the ads and that they were like mock ads for these companies with Warren. And in my mind, I was thinking like Michael Scott appearing in his movie (laughs) sort of thing. Um, Turns out they weren't. Turns out they were just heaps of ads. Ads. Yeah. 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 So we had 45 minutes of Apple, MasterCard, um, burger chains, you name it, interspersed with a movie of Charlie (laughs) Munger, Warren Buffett, and Jamie Lee, Jamie Curtis. Lee Curtis. It was weird. <laughs> to no, set no, the that, scene, it started with Jamie Lee Curtis in bed with a sheep wrapped around her on the phone, talk like doing like sexy talk to Warren. <laughs> no, no. So Warren wanted to invest in internet stocks, and Charlie didn't want to. So Warren called Jamie Lee Curtis to convince him so because weird. Charlie. Uh, has a thing for Jamie Lee Curtis and watches certain scenes of her movies over and over again. So then Jamie Lee Curtis in uh, in bed in uh, calls Charlie and convinces him. Yeah, and essentially infers that he was going to cheat on his wife. Yeah, yeah. with Jamie Lee. And, <laughs> it was weird as highly inappropriate. And then we get pumped with some more ads. And then we get a second uh, part of the movie where Warren goes to Jamie Lee Curtis's house. house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And tries to sell her knives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she just keeps asking about Charlie. Charlie, yeah. Anyways. So was that the ad? Maybe that was, was the, the ad because it was the ad for knives. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So that finished, 45 I, minutes. I and then honestly <laughs> wasn't sold. 
hold any knives. You don't, yeah, you don't want to buy the knives. <laughs> but now. I want to watch a Jamie Lee Curtis movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And then the guys came on stage. We had Warren, Charlie, um, Greg. So and Greg her. runs he, the everything everything but insurance. And he's next in line. Well, yeah. he's going to be the CEO. Right. Yeah. And then it was Ajit who runs the insurance business. And then pretty much the flow of the day, and we're going to get into it in a second, is um, there's a mix of questions that come from the audience, and then there's a, um, a mix that come from uh, online that is curated by CNBC. They tried to get through 60 questions through the day. They didn't do uh, it. We started the, strong. They got 25 in the morning session, and they didn't tell us how many got, they got in the afternoon. They, yeah, yeah they, they, they didn't get through it. They started road. rambling. <laughs> So let's move into the morning session. There were plenty of questions, as Ren said, 25 questions we got through. So we've pulled uh, a bit of a montage together of some of the highlights uh, from the morning session. Good morning. Good morning. And thanks for coming. Paul loves it. I love it. Charlie loves it. We're glad to have you here. The first question comes in from Randy Jeffs in Irvine, California. And his question is, if Silicon Valley Bank's deposit had not been fully covered, what do you think the economic consequences would have been to the nation? Well, I would just simply say it would have been catastrophic. <laughs> and that's why they were covered. Uh, and even though the FDIC limit is $250,000, that, that's the way the statute reads, but that is not the way the U.S. is going to behave any more than they're going to let the debt ceiling uh, uh, cause the world to go into turmoil, and I, th- I think it was inevitable. Charlie, do you have any? No, I have nothing to add. Okay, well. Hi, Narav Patel, Haverhill, Massachusetts. Mr. Buffett, Mr. Munger, it seems like you found the sweet spot between being too conservative and too aggressive as investors. Do you ever make bad investment decisions because of your emotions? And what do you do to try to keep that from happening? I can't recall any time in the history of Berkshire that we made an emotional decision. That I know the movie had Jamie Lee in there, but that 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 was for laughs. <laughs> I mean, Jamie, Jamie Lee, she's good, but she's not good enough to get me or Charlie <laughs> to make an emotional decision. <laughs> Charlie, I'm sure you have something to add on that. <laughs> but have we ever made an emotional decision? No. 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 I have a question on AI and robotics. Here's my questions. As AI and robotics continue to advance, what do you believe will be the positive and the negative impact of this technology on both the stock market and society as a whole? And are there any specific industries and companies that you believe will be most impacted? Karen, I thank you for asking Charlie that question. <laughs> Bill Gates brought me out of the latest, maybe not the latest version, but one he thought maybe I could handle, which has <laughs> to be careful with me in terms of leading me too fast. Uh, and it did, it did these remarkable things. Uh, it didn't, but it, 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 it couldn't tell jokes. Bill, Bill told me that ahead of time and it prepared me. And it, it just isn't there. But, you know, with things like checking all the legal opinions, you know, since the beginning of time and everything and eliminating all the 
outside it. I mean, it can do all kinds of things. And when something can do all kinds of things, I get a little bit worried. Uh, and because uh, I know we won't be able to uninvent it. And, uh, you know, we did invent, uh, for very, very good reason, the atom bomb. Well, Einstein said after, after the atom bomb, he said, this has changed everything in the world except how men think. So what are your thoughts on the continued development of new energy? How may the new energy firm achieve better development in future? So. You, you, you've raised a question that I want to just take an extra minute on because it's so important. And, and I don't really know whether our form of government uh, is ideal at all in terms of solving uh, the problem you describe. We have solved it one time. In World War II, we took a country that was semi-limping along and we found ourselves in a world war. And what we did in a world war is we brought a bunch of people to Washington at a dollar a year. You know, whether it was Sidney Weinberg or Goldman Sachs, you, you just name them. And we gave them enormous power to reorient the resources of the United States to face the problem that they faced, which was to create a war machine. Okay, Becky. Uh, the next question comes from Ellie Amin Tibet. During an episode of Investing the Templeton Way podcast, Professor Damodaran, who he respects almost as much as Warren and Charlie, mentioned that he is not comfortable with positions becoming a large part of his portfolio, for example, when they reach 25 to 35 percent. He mentioned that Apple is now 35 percent of Berkshire's portfolio and thinks that that is near a danger zone. Wonders if Warren and Charlie can comment. I'd like to make one comment first, but Charlie will come up with... I think he's out of his mind. Yeah, I knew that, that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> but Apple is not 35% of, of Berkshire's portfolio. Berkshire's portfolio includes the railroad, the energy business, animals, you name it, Seas Candy. They're all businesses. And, uh, you know, the, the, the good thing about Apple is that we, we can go up. They buy in their stock, and instead of owning 5.6%, you know, they get down to, they got about 15 billion, 700 and some million shares outstanding. They get down to 15 and a quarter billion without us doing anything. We got 6%. So we can't own more than 100% of the BNSF. We can't own more than 100% of Granimals or Seas Candy. But they're all the same. They're good businesses. And to think that, our criterion, our criteria for Apple is different than the other businesses we own. It just happens to be a better business than any we own. Charlie, do you want to add anything to your earlier comment? <laughs> well, one of the inane things that's taught in modern university education is that a vast diversification is absolutely mandatory in investing in common stocks. That is an insane idea. It's not that easy to have a vast plethora of good opportunities that are easily identified. And if you've only got three, I'd rather be in my best ideas instead of my worst. I'm Tom Nelson, a podcaster from North Oaks, Minnesota. Charlie, in 2022, you used phrases like really massively stupid 
massive kind of ignorance and crazy to describe what you said was the 30% of Americans hesitant to submit themselves to untested mRNA COVID gene therapy. Do you stand behind those quotes today? Yeah, sure. Charlie Munger going bang there to finish the morning session. He was such a classic. He was so entertaining all day. Yeah. (laughs) He's 99 and he's still sharp. I was worried at the start because I think it took him like almost like 45 minutes to say anything. First word. Yeah. 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 He was really warming up. I I mean, impressive from both of them, to be honest. 93-1 is just has an answer for everything without pause and uh, just love the dynamic between the two of them. Yeah, there was some great banter between them. They disagreed at certain points as well, which is good to say. So what we've done, we've pulled some of the best uh, responses from Charlie. It uh, it felt like we we couldn't leave them out and uh, so uh, here's a bit of a montage of King Charlie. (laughs) We've got our own King Charles here today. (laughs) I am personally skeptical of some of the hype that has gone into artificial intelligence. I think old-fashioned intelligence works pretty well. I would not like the thrill of losing my big pile into a small pile. (laughs) (laughs) I like my big pile just the way it is. Well, I like (laughs) it. It's a radically different world from the world we started in. And certainly in my... Well, Charlie's had a lot of experience, too. With, with well, in Berkshire, we have a simple problem of uh, estate planning. Just hold the goddamn stock. <laughs> well, we don't need as many wealth managers as we have. In Japan, everybody's <laughs> supposed to suck up and cope. And in America, we complain. Well, I'm slightly less optimistic than Warren is. <laughs> I think the best road ahead to human happiness is to expect less. I have nothing to add. Now, before we uh, take a quick break, I must mention that we're at the point where uh, some of our team members had been up for multiple hours on end and there were rumours going around that people were going to be heading home for a lunchtime nap. Now, um, Sasha, our producer, did do that. Disappointing (laughs) behaviour. Went home for a nap. Ren and Alf both left to go for a nap and rightly so agreed on the way home that it was bucket list moment turned yeah. around and on their way back had a schooner schooner <laughs> yeah, on the yeah. way went back went for a beer instead <laughs> went for a beer instead um, Darcy was nodding off throughout the first half it was a, a funny sight so we're just going to take a quick break and on the other side we're going to hear them share their thoughts on Elon Musk and go through our favourite questions from the day this is Equity Mates in Omaha at the Berkshire Hathaway annual general meeting Bryce and Alec We'll be back in a moment. Now, Equity Mates, we want to say a massive thank you to Milford for sponsoring our US trip and getting us over to Omaha so we could see uh, Warren and Charlie in person. If you want to give your portfolio an offensive and defensive strategy, check out Milford's award-winning Milford Australian Absolute Growth Fund. That's it, Ren. Utilising the skills of Milford's experienced investment team, the Milford Australian Absolute Growth Fund has been focusing on delivering a smoother journey for investors for over half a decade. With an emphasis on managing risk and generating absolute returns, this lower volatility equity fund can play a key role in a diversified portfolio. The fund strives for long-term capital growth while mitigating the ups and downs typically experienced when investing in the share market. 
Find the Milford Australian Absolute Growth Fund ticker symbol MFOA on your trading platform or at milfordasset.com.au. And before you invest, be sure to read the fund's product disclosure statement and target market determination found at milfordasset.com.au. This is Equity Mates in Omaha at the Berkshire Hathaway Annual General Meeting. All right, Equity Mates, well, we are here sitting in a park in downtown Omaha. We have just finished the Brooks Invest in Yourself 5K Fun Run. Sun's out. It's Got nice. my medal on. Yeah, side note, I am still perplexed why it's a 5K Fun Run when we're in America you, and they hate the metric system over here. You need to get over yeah. it, bro. You've been talking about it for three days. No one has given me, ask them. No one has given me a good answer. Just, and until someone does, I'm going to keep asking questions. <laughs> but we are here uh, unpacking... What was an epic day yesterday, we saw Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, 92 and 99 years old respectively. 93, isn't he? Yeah, I, I think he's no, turning I think he turns 93. 93 January 15, oh. I think he said. Was oh, they're birthday. both January babies. Yeah. Charlie Munger, 1st of Jan. They said oh, that Oh, was it 1st of Jan? Yeah. Well, Char- um, yeah, so um, Buffett's also Jan. There you go. <laughs> anyway, I'm trying anyway. to set up our, our episode here. <laughs> um, we have recapped the morning session and heard uh, some questions and answers from the two great investors. Uh, we are now over to the afternoon session. As Bryce said, there was a, a risk of a few team members, myself included, ducking home for a quick power nap. Producer Sasha, who's sitting next to us here, did go home for a quick nap. While the two 90-year-olds kept powering on. I guess they didn't get up at 4.30am though, or 4am. I mean, to give a sense of why that is the case, there's no control over the questions. So some of them were just like, really, come on guys. And as you can imagine, two 90-plus sitting on stage, it did drag at times. (laughs) Well, no, to give because we didn't sleep the night before. Oh, it also... (laughs) And we had just flown in from Australia. It also really... It also did... Bryce is on his high horse here. He's like five hours of sleep. (laughs) I think the real winner is Maddie, who had no sleep and still powered through. Yeah. True. Maddie was True. MVP. All right, well, let's kick into it. Here's a montage of what happened in the second session. Mr. Buffett and Mr. Munger. Hi. Hi. My name is Daphne. I'm 13 years old, and this is my sixth annual Berkshire Halfway Chain Shoulders meeting. My question is, are we likely to face a time in the future when the U.S. dollar is no longer the global reserve currency? How is Berkshire prepared for this possibility? And what can we do as American citizens to attempt to shelter ourselves from what's beginning to look like the beginnings of de-dollarization? Well. I, I should ask you to come up here and answer some questions. I mean, <laughs> the, uh, it's very interesting. I mean, we are the reserve currency. I see no option for any other currency to be the reserve currency. And, and uh, uh, I think that nobody understands the situation better than Jay Powell. And uh, uh, I, but he's not in control of, of fiscal policy. And every now and then he drops a few hints. Uh, and there was no question that, that when the, uh, when, 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 when the, in, pandemic broke out. I mean, it was a semi-warlike situation, but nobody knows how far you can go 
with the paper currency before it gets out of control. If, and particularly if you're the reserve, world's reserve currency. Nobody knows the answer to that. The Wall Street Journal reported in March that oil producers are producing less oil and may have reached their peak in the Permian Basin. Given the major positions of both Occidental Petroleum and Chevron in the Permian, would you please explain the rationale for Berkshire's significant holdings of both those companies, considering that future outlook for oil there? If oil sells at X, you know, you do very well. And if it sells at half of X, you know, your costs are the same. And it doesn't change the production, and it doesn't work as well, but it also brings down the oil production of the United States very fast. So we don't know what oil prices will be, but we do very much like the Occidental position they have, and that's why we financed them a few years ago, and it looked like it was a terrible mistake uh, when the oil market just totally collapsed, and, and then it changed around, and we bought a lot of the common stock. Uh, in the last few months, they've reduced our preferred, which we, we don't like, obviously. But, I mean, but we'd, we'd be disappointed in them if they didn't reduce it. Uh, it's intelligent from their standpoint. So we've taken, of the $10 billion preferred, we've gotten maybe four or $500 million of it retired at 110% of par. But uh, Vicki Holub, uh, is a, she's an extraordinary manager. My name is Max Joe, and from Toronto, Canada. I have a question for Charlie regarding a statement you made in the past. You once mentioned that you would prefer to hire someone with IQ of 130 who believes in 120 over someone with IQ of 150 who thinks is 170. I understand that you were referring to Elon Musk. Given the recent success of his ventures, such as Tesla, SpaceX, and Starlink, I'm curious to know if you still hold the view that Elon Musk overestimates himself. Thank you so much. Well, yes, I, I think over, Elon Musk overestimates himself, but he has a he is very talented, so he's, he's overestimating somebody who doesn't need to overestimate to be very talented. There's a Bill Maher program, about a week old, maybe two weeks old, but, but he interviews Elon, and Elon does a terrific job toe-to-toe uh, -to -toe with Bill Maher, who, I mean, it, it, it's worth watching, and uh, Elon is... He's a brilliant, brilliant guy, and I would say that, you know, he might score over 170, but uh, but he, you know, it's, he he dreams about things, and and, he, and he, his dreams have got a foundation. He would not have achieved what he has in life if he hadn't tried for unreasonably extreme objectives. He likes taking on the impossible job and doing it. We're different. Warren and I, Warren and I are looking for the easy job that yeah. we can identify. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if we can do it playing tic-tac-toe, we'll do it, you know. I mean, <laughs> we have a wholly different way of going. It's a whole way. Yeah, yeah. But we don't want to compete with Elon in, in a lot of things. I mean, it, you know. It, we don't want that much failure.
This question comes from Lindsay Peter Schumacher in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Does the current size of the Federal Reserve balance sheet concern you? In particular, the result of quantitative easing, uh, the Federal Reserve expanded its balance sheet out of nothing. The net effect, in essence, is a form of single-entry accounting, creating something of value out of nothing other than a series of book entries, entre, uh, entries and wondering what Mr. Munger thinks about this as well. Well, I don't think the Federal Reserve is the problem, and I think they can't solve the fiscal problem. I don't. I don't. I do not worry about the Federal Reserve, and uh, I think it's fulfilling the functions for which it was established. I probably would not have been. They only. They have two objectives, and I would not have been one probably that would have changed the inflation objective to two percent a year from. Uh, from zero, I, I think that, that uh, you know, I think that if you tell your people that you're shooting to depreciate your currency at two percent a year, uh, that has a lot of implications. Although it feels good to a lot of people, a lot of people want a little inflation. The most one one of the most interesting figures to me. It's currency in circulation. I mean, it is gone. They were saying cash is trash back in 2007 and 8, and all of that cash is going to disappear. Well, if you look at the Federal Reserve balance sheet, it's gone from $800 billion to $2.2 trillion. And most of that's in $100 bills, overwhelmingly. And if you figure it out, I think there's about $5,100 bills per person, babies, everybody in the United States. And... Uh, I would really like to know where all of that is. It's been very extreme. I think that you, you could be pretty extreme in fighting depressions and so forth if you reverted afterwards to a period of some discipline. But if you're of just... What? Some discipline, but if you're going to just keep borrowing... Printing money and spending it, I think eventually it causes bad trouble. Well, if we're getting into confession time, I have to tell you, it's 3.30. So we don't want to keep going on. Uh, who knows what we'll be saying in another half hour. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> so I thank you all very much for coming. At 4.30, we will have the shareholders meeting here. So it was a quick finish there from Warren. Um, we were pretty stoked because it meant we could either hit the hay or go and have some drinks at the Hilton, which Head was the down. place to be. Yeah. But let's close out our episode with uh, a question each that we found. Uh, let's close the episode with one of our favorite questions from the day. Uh, Maddie, do you want to kick us off? Yeah. So I think my favorite question of the day was the effect of AI on value investors. My name is Zhao Zi. I'm from Santa, Santa Clara, California. And my question is to Charlie and, and Warren. Uh, given the rise of disruptive technologies that can improve productivity significantly, and AI being one of them, how do you envision the future of value investing in this new era? And what adaptations or new principles do you think investors should adopt? And any recommendations for investors to remain successful in this rapid changing landscape? Thank you. Well, I'm glad to take that one. I think value investors are going to have a harder time now that there's so many of them competing for 
a diminished bunch of opportunities. So my advice to value investors is to get used to making less. And Charlie has been telling me the same thing the whole time we've known each other. I mean, we, we, we get along wonderfully because... So we are making less. Yeah, well, but that's because... That mostly, I think, is because we it's larger. We we were younger. And was... now, we never thought we could manage $508 billion No. Or whatever, five, uh, yeah, the, but I, I would argue that... Uh, that uh, there's going to be plenty of opportunities. And part of the reason there are going to be plenty of opportunities, the, the tech doesn't make any difference or any of that. I mean, if you look at how the world's changed in the, in the years since 1942 when I started, you'd say, well, how does a kid that doesn't know anything about airplanes, that doesn't know anything about engines and cars, and doesn't know anything about electricity and all that? But that really isn't the... That's not the... The world changing doesn't, or new things coming along don't take away the opportunities. What gives you opportunities is other people doing dumb things. And uh, it, it's that. Uh, and I would say that, well, the 58 years we've been running Berkshire, I would say there's been a great increase uh, in the number of people doing dumb things, and they do big dumb things and the reason they do it to some extent is because they they can get money from other people so much easier than when we started so you could start 10 or 15 dumb insurance companies in the last 10 years and you could become rich uh if you were adroit at it whether the business succeeded or not and the underwriters got paid and the, the lawyers got paid and that creates if that's done on a large scale, which it couldn't be done what, 58 years ago. You couldn't get the money to do some of the dumb things that we wanted to do, fortunately. Uh, and uh, so I, don't, I think that investing has disappeared so much from this huge capitalistic market that anybody can play in, but that the big money is in selling other people ideas. It isn't outperforming. Uh, in outperforming, and uh, I think that, I think if you don't run too much money, which we do, but if you're running small amounts of money, I think, I think the opportunities will be greater, but then Charlie and I have always differed on this subject. He, he, he likes to tell me how gloomy the world is, and, and I, I like to tell him, we'll find something, and, and so far we've both been kind of right. <laughs> Charlie, wouldn't, wouldn't you? Will you budge an inch on that or not? <laughs> so I feel like this has been a question on my mind for a little while now. I know that with so much, with technology changing so rapidly at the moment and it feels extra relevant at the moment with the latest developments in AI, but is how do we value invest in this environment when things are growing so rapidly? And that really feels like where the biggest opportunities are in terms of investing, I guess, thematics. Speaking of opportunities, did they kept saying throughout the day that there are less opportunities, less opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, but that's also a function of how big they are. Yeah, they have so much cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, much cash. I think in investing, like what works in investing is constantly changing. And, mm. you know, even everyone talks about Ben Graham's style of investing and everyone talks about security analysis the, as like the seminal book that everyone should read. Less people talk about the fact that Ben Graham 
when he was close to dying, had walked back and he said, the style of investing that I wrote about doesn't work anymore. Done. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, that, that whole like cigar butts, net, net, value, true value investing, it's kind of been arbitraged away because of all this technology. And yeah. Well, Charlie did say that value investors need to get used to making less money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like then like there's a whole new breed of value investors, which... Oh, they're kind of like growth slash value yeah. investors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's cheap based on what it's going to be in three yeah, years' time. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Warren's answer to the question was like, people, the way to value invest or the way that you can make money is because there are so many people doing dumb things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, you know, Char- Charlie said there are a lot of smart people out there with money, which is true, but there are a lot of dumb people with money as well. Yeah. yeah. Munger also uh, had an interesting take on AI generally. One of his quick quips on uh, uh, a throw from uh, Buffett with for his thoughts on AI was, I think old-fashioned intelligence works pretty well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or human Do you reckon he's ever used ChatGPT? That's what I was just about to ask. <laughs> Definitely not. No. Surely Have you seen someone, No. Sure, yeah, but surely someone showed it to him. Well, oh, he was really? saying that um, Gates show, shows them the latest, uh, the latest stuff. God, it's such a true, flex, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we were talking with um, Mark Nelson um, afterwards at the Hilton Bar, and uh, he's the executive chairman of Caledonia, and uh, is fortunate enough to be in the Breakfast Club with so cool. with Munger every week. And he was speaking to Gates at a dinner the night before, and Gates was giving him the down low on how they're quickly taking market share over Google. So yeah. that was some good insight. God, that was... Fr- Do you know what? That actually, that catch up with Mark is probably some of my favourite chat of the day. Yeah, but have you seen the leaked Google memo? They're no. both losing market share to Facebook in what? their AI race. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Facebook's uh, AI chatbot is open source and both Google and Microsoft will open AI's closed source. Uh, oh, it's like closed. And anyway, yeah, meta. Killing it at the moment. Wow. Um, wow. My final takeaway from this whole thing, though, is we, everyone who asked them a question asked them a question as if they had the answer to everything. And it's like, these guys are two of, Australia, yeah. uh, two of the world's greatest investors, history's greatest investors. But like, to think that they're experts on like, US-China relations, or in this instance, like, the effect that new AI. technology <laughs> is going to have on investing, yeah. part of me was just like... There are probably better people. Bill Gates would have a better. Yeah. Of course, but, but I think it's give... interesting to hear their perspective, given they have been around so long. Of course, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And to and given give uh, particularly to Buffett, like it was never a, oh, I I'm I'm not going to try and answer that. Like mm. he would always have at least ten minutes. Whereas or something. Charlie, <laughs> yeah, 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 which is like pretty amazing. Nothing to add. Yeah. yeah. Bryce, what about you? What was your biggest takeaway from the day? Biggest takeaway from the day. Um, so there was a question towards the end of the day around their position in Paramount. That, that is one thing that I've, I, my actual biggest takeaway is I left the day feeling like I didn't really get a lot of insight in their portfolio because they refused to obviously fair call, yeah. actually talk about their positionings. Do you reckon? Yeah. Like that- they spoke about Apple, which was good, but like, yeah, that they were pretty caged around like obviously what they're currently looking at and, yeah. and like they don't talk a lot about what they're doing. They talk about current position, but um, I felt like, yeah, just a, didn't really leave. Because ideal, ideal world, you'd be like, what would you invest yeah, what 100000 in What's, now? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think at one stage Warren said we're not your financial advisor yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I, I think we did get some insight. That, so the biggest question is one of their biggest moves over the last six months has been building up this position in Occidental, the... Shale oil 
uh, company and they said, we're not going to buy it. We got like 20% and we want to remain minority shareholders, which was like, if you went on CNBC after, that was sort of like, oh, they actually did tell us something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they just don't do a lot. Like, no, they, no. Which none of us should. We should all be as patient and as slow moving yeah. as them. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, so right towards the end of the day, there was a question around their position in Paramount Plus, yes. um, which, is, which is suffering at the moment. I think stock dropped, what did they say, 25% uh, last week? Um, off the back of poor performance. But more broadly, what was interesting was their commentary around streaming services as a business. So let's have a listen. Berkshire owns about 94 million shares of Paramount Global as of the last published data. This asset-rich company has disappointed on recent quarterly earnings reports and just this week slashed its dividend by 80%. How do you see the streaming wars evolving and do you still have conviction in your investment thesis? Is your investment thesis based on the company being an acquisition t- target or based on its fundamentals? Yeah, I will say this. It's not good news when any company passes a dividend or cuts a dividend dramatically. And the streaming business is extremely interesting to watch because there's people, people love to use their eyeballs watching being entertained on, on a screen in front of them or a phone or whatever it may be. But... Uh, uh, there's a lot of companies doing it, and you need fewer companies or you need higher prices. Well, you need higher prices or it doesn't work. So thoughts and feelings. Nothing new there, I don't think, from that, that hasn't already been sort of spoken about, but um, they're going to stay strong with Paramount+. Plus. Very competitive industry. Bit of a chit-chat around uh, owning the real thing, movies. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> to, to that comment around they're going to stay strong and to what you were saying earlier about them not giving us a lot of insight. True. Like, it wouldn't surprise me based on what they were saying. You know, there's there's no competitive advantage here and your profits are determined by your competitors. Wouldn't surprise me if that got the flick Gone. at some point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think the perspective of to make streaming a more um, interesting or sort of compelling investment around... You just need less companies and higher prices. And the fact that they're all in competition with each other is just continuing to drive the prices down. It makes a lot of sense, right? Like, where's the moat, which is what they always talk about. Well, he said something around, like, there's a bunch of them that just don't want to quit. Yeah. Everyone's just burning cash. Yeah. Yeah. Surely, like, it's been, like, the call for the last two years, but surely some mergers and acquisitions happen in this space. Mm. Yeah. Because you're not going to ever get a content moat in streaming because someone will always be able to create the next Game of Thrones or the next... Yeah, yes to mergers and acquisitions, but then the point that they made was that they're all such big players in this space. Like, they're all massive companies who are behind these streaming services. Yeah, well, I think where you get the moat is in, like, Amazon Prime or... Or Disney is the one that they used as an example because they get the moat from the content that they have. Yeah. So, Berkshire own 15% of Paramount. They started buying in 2022, but have lost a bucket load over... I think the stock's down about about 50% since they started ouch. buying. So, ouch, ouch, ouch. <laughs> anyway, Ren, what was your favourite? Yeah, so there was a few questions about climate change. And mm. in the morning session, Greg Abel, who uh, well, runs all their portfolio businesses, but has really driven Berkshire Hathaway Energy and really made it a big player, um, got some questions around renewable investment and stuff like that. But I think the most challenging question shall we say was actually from an Iowa high schooler mm. in the afternoon session mm. so Warren couldn't hide Juicy. behind Greg anymore and so she challenged them I guess on how Berkshire Hathaway Energy is responding to the challenge of climate change 
Good afternoon, my name is Hannah Hayes and I'm a high schooler from Iowa. You said earlier today that transitioning to renewable energy has the people and capital to support it. So with enough investment in renewables, the development of energy storage technology to soon meet Iowa's energy needs and support from the government system through Inflation Reduction Act funding, why hasn't Berkshire Hathaway Energy truly invested in the future by accelerating retirement plans for the coal plants, which have high operating costs and are currently Iowa's biggest carbon polluter and will continue to be until they're finally retired in 2049, which is too late to be curbing emissions, according to the IPCC? Yeah, it's very interesting. We, we uh, in Iowa, we have actually produced more uh, wind energy than is used, uh, the total amount of energy used by our, our customers, but it's not, it's not producible 24 hours a day necessarily. So the, there's problems. And incidentally, in, in Iowa, a, a significant majority of Counties welcome us when we come around and want to put in wind, and some don't want it. I mean, it, it you know, it is, it is a, there's a knot in my backyard someplace. There's other places where they love the money they get from a small plot of ground, and, and people, in the, they like the taxes that are paid. But I would say that if there's one state in the union that stands out in the development, uh, it's... It's Iowa, but what's also interesting in Iowa is that we have one other major company. There's always loads of little co-ops and all kinds of things that sell electricity. But we have one major competitor, and uh, our prices are uh, significantly lower. And as a matter of fact, we are now in the Omaha Public Power District, and three miles or four miles away, we're selling electricity in Iowa. And we are selling it cheaper, even though public power was invented in Nebraska and has been a, uh, I think it's, you know, George Norris did it back in the 1930s. And, you know, it's, it, uh, it's Nebraska's resisted, to some extent, uh, wind power uh, more than Iowa, but like I said, our competitor, or alternate source hasn't really pursued it the way we have. But I would, I would say that our record in wind and solar uh, has not been topped by any utility in the United States. And of course, it's been aided by the fact that most utilities pay out 70 or 80% of earnings and dividends. And uh, uh, we haven't taken a common dividend out of, we had a little tiny preferred we haven't taken a common dividend out of it, you know, for 20 years. We reinvested, I don't know how many billion. That's the reason why the earnings have gone from 200 million to 4 billion. But we're not earning a higher rate of return on capital than we were when we started. We just put way more capital into the business as we went along, kept reinvesting the capital. So I wish Greg were here to tell you more details about it. But but uh, but uh, I would say that. We'd put up, we'd really put a Berkshire Hathaway Energy's record against any utility in the United States. Charlie, you, you've watched it. 
Well, I have, and uh, I'm not personally at all sure how bad the global warming is going to be. I think I don't think anybody knows for sure whether the seas are going to rise two inches or 20 feet. And so I think there's a lot of false claims here in the world where much is not known. Yeah, we, Wyoming. I mean, the number one takeaway there has to be Charlie's feelings about climate change. Just he got a big round of applause from it as well. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. I mean, they got round of applause with like everything. They were. Right At that um, point, I was like, do we just clap every time he talks? It's a bit of a cult. But yeah, I think... Um, uh, no, no I, there were questions where they just finished and they went on and then Warren was like, all right, base six. Like, yeah. that, that, that was a clap yeah. for his view on climate change. That wasn't, just a, that wasn't just a clap for Charlie. That surprised me. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, don't, don't agree with it. Don't agree. Yeah. I, I don't think they responded to any of the climate stuff. Well, I agree. Yeah. Well, yeah. A lot of waffle. I do remember watching a doco back in the day about, I think, the energy grid in Nevada and how Berkshire Hathaway Energy was really challenging a lot of the investments that were trying to happen in renewables. So I think they've got a bit of a track record of seeing an opportunity in legacy energy infrastructure, Mm. um, which, you know, that's really all they're focused on is earning returns. So... In some ways, a leopard can't change their spots. Yeah, I guess. exactly. Yeah, yeah. And he did, he, they did come into the Berkshire. A lot of the media coming into it was a huge expectation on how they would address the climate change piece because it's something that I think a lot of people have felt they haven't done a very good job at. Uh, but I don't think they, I don't think they did too well. To be fair to Warren, uh, in another answer, he did talk about how he doesn't think there's been energy com- any energy company that has invested more in renewables and renewable transition yeah. than Berkshire Hathaway Energy. And he said a big reason why that is the case is we don't pay a dividend. So most energy companies that they're competing with pay out 80% of their profits in dividends. Berkshire reinvest all of their profits or keep them on their balance sheet, which is now, what, $135 billion yeah. in short-term investments. Yeah. Um, and that does mean that they can invest more. And so, you know, they've got a fair argument yeah. that whilst Charlie may not think it's as bad, they're doing more than most of their competitors. There were some interesting comments around there being, we're, we're very aware of the problem. We know what needs to be fixed. And we know what we need to do to get there. We've got the people and the capital to do it, but for some reason we're not doing it. And he was sort of talking about how he, he actually spoke a lot about like World War Two throughout the so day much. but he talked about that being a point in history in which there was so much like uplift and change that it allowed sort of a lot of I guess development to happen off the back of that and he seemed to be off of the impression that it would take something really big to happen sort of in society and I guess COVID you could argue has done a little bit there but in order for us to really sort of make that transition to renewable energy. All right so that feels like a good point to wrap it. Any final thoughts of the day? Anything, any big learnings, any big changes you're going to make to how you invested? Uh, anything that would surprise people who uh, didn't watch it or just watched it on TV? I don't know if this would surprise people, but Charlie did not stop eating lollies yes. all day. <laughs> he was just munching constantly. Yeah. I thought it was just an awesome day. I think, uh, I think you asked me at the end at the bar, Maddie, if it, or maybe it was Sasha, if it met my expectations. I think, um, I think the overall couple of days has exceeded. There were moments throughout the day that were obviously low points and a bit. Uh, everyone was a bit quiet and whatnot. We really pushed through, but overall... 
uh, an epic experience. Um, I don't think I would go so early next year. I don't. I don't think it really matters where you sit in the crowd too much, as long as you're not behind the stage. But uh, that was probably my key takeaway for 2024. Yeah. So we're coming back. Oh, I'd love to come back. <laughs> well, I guess uh, we can only come back if uh, Milford uh, help us get there again. So let's close this out by saying another massive thank you to Milford for getting us to Omaha and letting us not quite meet our heroes, but at least see them in person. We got damn close. Milford are a leading New Zealand fund manager and they are now available for Australian investors and advisors. Milford's talented and globally experienced investment team aim to deliver strong long-term returns while managing downside risks, and they also invest in the same funds as their clients. You can strive for a smoother investing journey with Milford's experienced active management and their award-winning Milford Australian Absolute Growth Fund, ticker symbol MFOA. So find the Milford Australian Absolute Growth Fund and other Milford funds on your trading platforms or at milfordasset.com.au. And remember, before you invest, be sure to read the fund's product disclosure statement and target market determination found at milfordasset.com.au. Well, guys, first outdoor live podcast other than the very first one we did back in 2017, Ren, bringing back a lot of memories, sitting yep. outside recording. It's been awesome down here quite in like Omaha. It. Yeah, it's quite nice. Bit Might of a different, outdoor different vibe. Often. Maddie, thank you so much for joining us. Out. And hello to all of the You're In Good Company crew <laughs> that are listening. Um, you can follow along on the continued journey of us on tour on both of our social feeds. And over the next month, we're going to be bringing plenty of content from the tour. We've got our Wealth Builders ep- um, series kicking off on Thursday, where we're looking at some some of Warren's biggest investments and the lessons we've learned. And then next Monday, we're going to be coming at you from New York City. Mm-hmm. We're going to be interviewing some fund managers over there and uh, heading down to Wall Street. So... Uh, looking forward to it. Massive shout out to Milford as well for, for supporting the Equity Mates US tour. But uh, guys, we'll leave it there. Sounds good. See ya. <laughs> you have been listening to an Equity Mates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. 